0: And I'm your host, Carl Haikara, and I'd like to welcome you to uh, episode number four. Although it is technically, I guess, uh, the third real episode of the show. Um, originally I had a had a guest planned for tonight, but uh, we had to push it back. So I'm not going to say who it is because. uh, You know, I don't want to jinx it I want to make sure that uh, the show happens So that'll happen uh, at some point in the future But, um, here I am Um, and, uh By myself this week, like I said And, um, that's alright Like, I'll be doing episodes by myself This week I decided, um Gonna kick off, um Do kind of the first episode more dedicated to Uh, occult and esoteric, uh, type of subjects And, um I decided that uh, a good good concept to kind of kick us off will be discussing the uh, sigil for the podcast And the kind of symbolism that goes around that So that's what we're going to be doing today And then uh, spin off from there onto whatever I feel like talking about But um, before we get into that part of this evening I'd like to uh, first of all shout out uh, my brother podcasts. Um, I'd like to shout out Mike Hill with uh, Everything Went Black and uh, Necromaniacs uh, Necromaniacs is uh, my favorite uh, horror movie podcast Although there are quite a few good ones um, One of the other that's one of the best is Horror Wolf 666 with Brandon Legion And um, Brandon should be joining me here pretty soon as well We've got a good show idea lined up for you and uh I'd like to also shout out Jackie Smith and uh Into the Necrosphere, which is uh definitely the best metal podcast out there. I um to be honest with metal podcasts I'm pretty pretty picky. I've tried to listening to some and I just like can't stand it. <laughs> so but Jackie is great. Um like Maybe we don't always have the same exact taste in music, but you don't need that. Like, Jackie loves a lot of great stuff. found out a lot of great stuff. And most of all, he has amazing long-form interviews with people in the metal industry, metal scene, etc. they great. So, if you like really great long interviews, that's the one to go. And then, um, I'd also, for other types of long interviews... Some of them with black metal musicians And other types of people I also want to shout out to Cheyenne From Trivax With his uh, podcast Iblis Manifestations So um, I guess we're going to Go ahead and go into The next section of the podcast So The uh, the sigil For Solanox Podcast Which uh, if you're listening to this on uh, Spotify, you can go ahead and look at that, but I also describe it um, because I want to uh, discuss some of the uh, symbolism within it, but the sigil for it is actually one that uh, I I guess was channeled uh, f- for me, through me, a uh, very long time ago when I was, I don't know, I can't quite remember exactly what what, exactly what age, but it was at some point when I was a uh, teenager, or probably like somewhere in the ballpark between like uh, I don't know, twelve and fourteen. I definitely had it um, in that around that time. I used to have like a. I mean, I have a painting area now, but I used to have like a a kind of. Draft, t- drafting table kind of thing, you know, like, for artists, like, that I would draw and paint and everything, and, uh, yeah, I would just sit there and listen to music and zone out and kind of tra- get into trance and start, um, you know, drawing things, and, uh, the, the symbol, uh, came out of that, and, uh, it ended up, up becoming, um, kind of my personal sigil in so many ways, one that I uh, have used on many paintings, um, have used uh, in a lot of things. So that's where that sigil comes from. Um, but there's a lot of interesting things behind it. Even when I was doing it, I understood the underlying kind of symbolism and what it what it meant as I was doing it to a certain degree. And uh, over you know the years, this only kind of grown and developed, um, the meaning behind it for me has kind of blossomed out, I suppose you could say. And of course, the symbol as it is, is based around the eye, and uh, this is the eye of the dragon, and uh, the eye of the dragon, the way that I, I illustrate it is in a type of form which i find um, very very inspiring and interesting if anybody sees uh, my art you can see that i use the eye quite a bit it's a very very important form for me there's something just about it that comes out but the way that i do it um i guess what's interesting about it is that you could look at it as uh, the shape itself can be representative of the eye, a mouth, a vulva, and these are all very interesting things like what uh, they're connecting. They're connecting in, um, ideas, I believe, and also important for me in my esoteric work. So the eye, the mouth, and the vulva, right? So it's the, the sight, and then, uh, and then you have the sight, the sound and then the entrance to the womb of everything, symbolized all at once. Um, You know, it's also interesting, like, the type of, of um, shape it is, is very similar to what you'd see in um, cathedrals, all the old cathedrals, like, they'd have these kind of vulva-shaped, like, arches, you know, to, and it's very interesting, I think it's very much meant to represent that kind of cosmic womb in so many ways and of course the uh the eye like i said is a i give it like a serpent type of uh um snake type of um um what do you call it cornea or whatever it's called <laughs> uh would, but i mean i guess it could also in some ways be look a lot like a, uh, a goat as well you know and, uh, that could be a pretty appropriate, uh, alternate form of the sigil, but I primarily do it as a serpent, draconian symbol, so anyways, you got this eye that's kind of shaped like a, shaped like a vulva, you know, and, uh, above and below it, almost as extensions from it, are two triangles, one upwards and one inverted, and actually the, uh, a lot of times I have the line through it that runs right, right through the eye from the top to bottom, which kind of creates a uh, an uh, effect of like two pyramids, one above and one below, and the eye balanced in between along this vertical axis. So, of course, what this means is, in a lot of ways, the eye is at the center of the uh, vertical horizontal axis in so many ways. Yeah. Runically, it almost creates the type of uh, sigil of, like, the the wolf hook or something like this, like, which is the uh, Iva's rune uh, with a a line across it, which kind of represents being connected to the above and the below and being in the central point, central axis of it. So, the rune, this is a underlying sigil symbol. So, uh, very much... Even when I was a teenager in drawing this, I saw this as you have the pyramid below and the pyramid above. <clears throat> and I suppose in some ways, I was um, in my mind as I'm creating this image, I'm thinking of uh, how on our, our dollar bills, you know, we have uh, an eye inside of a pyramid, you know, this kind of Illuminati symbol, um, which is a very Luciferian symbol many ways so um yeah this would definitely represent you have the uh, over and the under so you know <clears throat> to be grounded in the central axis of uh, of the all you have to have be a part of the uh, the underworld as well as the above world you know or the um, unconscious and the phenomenal world, the a-causal and the a-causal. These are all connected, you know. And, uh, but from this point is a radiating force, which radiates out from it. Um, the newest addition to this symbol is to put a circle around it. And um, what this represents, particularly in a lot of my paintings when I do this, is the black sun, so, uh, part of it is that the idea that this eye <coughs> is a, uh, radiating force, the eye of the dragon, which is at the center of the void, which is at the center of the black sun. So it's the force which creates the black sun. And the black sun is a symbol of a lot of things, but in particular, you can see it as a as a kind of uh, eternally uh, kind of generating source of of power, because it's the dark light, it's the force behind everything. So it's not; it's kind of a self generating force. So the eye of the dragon, the dragon draconian force at the heart of that is what is kind of driving the black sun alchemically. These are things that I I came to learn more as I got older, and that kind of idea of the the dragon, that kind of draconian eye at the center of the void. Uh, this was something that I felt when I was a teenager. I've always felt, I think, very much inspired by the movie Excalibur. Uh, in that movie, you have know, the idea of the the breath of the dragon, you know, and the <clears throat> the kind of the the dragon's breath, and the dragon being this, like, very central force of everything, you know, and, uh, I really resonated with that, and, um, and it felt real to me, too, uh, I feel like particularly being very, um, very much involved with, um, things like Aikido, and, uh, Kind of very connected to this idea of key or dragon force, and that you find in, uh, you know, the, you no, know, key is like the void, the, or not the void, the breath. <clears throat> so it's a force that it's like the breath of all, you know. But in, uh, if you look in Chinese, you have the dragon lines, the dragon force, and this is something that I think is very important, particularly when you look at the idea that when the Christians came. They have the idea of the dragon slayer that is different from, say, the ancient ideas of the dragon slayer of Sigurd, for example. Now, the, the Christian idea is this, uh, you know, St. Michael or whatever, St. George, <clears throat> piercing with a lance and kind of the uh, the dragon to the earth. And um, <coughs> often above those, you have these churches dedicated to the Lord christ and all this shit you know so i see it that is a literal in all many ways a symbol of this idea of uh, pinning the the draconian force that's animating everything which i think that all the kind of power spots where you'd find the ancient pagan temples which they attempted to kind of steal for themselves or or just um I don't know, like, uh, it feels very much like they tried to tap, or not tap, a damn this energy, you know. They saw it as evil. Um, and uh, we can get in that another way. But anyway, so this dragon, dragonian energy, dragon force, which will, it kind of flows through the world and everything. Which emanates from the void. What really explicated these ideas for me was uh, something that I think is very interesting is uh many years after I had developed the sigil and I've been using it and using it in magical practice as well um I discovered the work of michael Kelly and uh uh his his uh sorry his book apophis apophis which if you're interested at all in any of this type of stuff like draconian magic uh You should probably just go on Amazon right now and order that book because I believe that, you know, Michael Kelly's work is some of the most important within this field. And um, a few things like about that was one, on the cover of this book, there is a sigil, the Seal of Apophis, which uh, Michael Kelly had created for what was originally called the Order of Apophis, but now it's called the Apophis Club, and his work within that. And it shows a, um, uh, an eye, like a draconian serpent eye at the center of three interlinking, um, triangles, which creates a, uh, nine sided, you know, um, form, which he calls the eye of the dragon in the void. And, um. so it's a very similar, it's like eerily similar to this, this type of thing. I mean, mine is, is still different. It's not quite the same. Although I have, uh, occasionally created versions of the one that I have in which, um, you add like flames, like, um, another like five, like triangles around represent like the black flame and the nine angles. Or, um, you know, you could do all kinds of things like that. Um, you could, create a, there's a lot of ways of adapting the schedule that I've made, but still the, the general idea of this kind of draconian eye at the center of this forms, particularly kind of triangular shapes, um, I was very struck by this, you know, and, uh, and I was struck by a lot within the book, a lot of things that I had, <clears throat> I mean, he's basically explicating, uh, the path that I had already been on, in so many ways, and and the kind of path I had taken to uh, really dive deep into the magical practice, and and really, you know, uh, just so many things. And uh, <clears throat> that's uh, it was pretty like shocking in so many ways. I remember I sat there and I read uh, up office from beginning to end like in one, one sitting, I just sat there, and I read the whole thing, I couldn't stop, because I was just so transfixed by it. oh, this resonates with me so much, like, this is like, it's like reading my uh, inner thoughts, like, into, into or my, my experience, the things that I've learned through experience and through practice, uh, here it is, is in this book, you know, plus stuff that develops what I had already been doing much more. Gives me deeper insight into these ideas, and uh, and uh, and his work is also very much worth rereading. Um, every time I go back to his books, which I usually do about once a year or so, I will read through the the main core books yeah, once every year or other year. Um, and uh, I, I, as I grow, <clears throat> and as I go through things, I've gone through. There's so much in his work that. Nice. Uh, or and even more I see deeper things um, I see deeper into the ideas that I thought I already understood now I will say that there is a spectrum of my work which has grown from another stream particularly the stream of uh, Thomas Carlson and the Dragon Rouge which is another one of the primary streams of draconian magic in the modern age I believe um and uh, that's from there has been the, the idea. Uh, the black sun has taken shape. Um, but getting back to Michael Kelly's work and uh, uh, the eye of the eye of the dragon, the void, there's a lot of interesting ideas with this. A big part of it is realizing that you're awakening the sight within the self. And it's not in the head, it's deeper. Because there is within us, this point, the void where the black sun is. And in this void, there is, and when you put your consciousness down into like the solar plexus, when you can drop your consciousness into the solar plexus, that is the key. The key to uh, to all magical power, in my opinion. To, you know, whatever. To changing your consciousness, to being able to see more clearly. And when you awaken this eye, which is there in the depths, and uh, you're seeing through this eye, suddenly it activates this uh, draconian uh, consciousness within the self, which um, you know. I think uh, a lot of people like say that um, are talking about this in that sense of the base of the spine. You have this uh, lizard brain, this reptile brain, right? But uh, it's usually seen as just like the reactionary side of us, the real base side of us. But it's actually through this base section that you reach the consciousness of the, that uh, leads to actually deeper illumination in the in terms of the dark light. Um, so if you're activating this portion of yourself, and you activate it and you kind of realize your awareness and and you're actually seeing things through the eye of the void there's a lot of interesting things that happen um and uh one of those things is the ability to kind of see into the web of weird around you um you can uh, it kind of cuts away a lot of your emotionality you know And, uh, you're able to see clearly issues and kind of follow the webs of what's, uh, connecting you to certain things, bothering you and what would happen if you change certain things. And, uh, you can develop in a very calm way, this cold way, kind of a plan of, of how to progress and, uh, things like this. Um... And, of course, as you go and you uh, become attuned to that, you can actually have a point in which you're kind of operating in a dual consciousness where at the same time that you're connecting to this I and the void, you're also kind of going back and forth between your normal consciousness or different states of consciousness and this void. And in a lot of ways, the more that you practice this, the more this void, uh, I the dragon void is a, is almost like awake all the time. And this is when you start to grow that power, I believe, that radiating power I was describing. Anyways, um, some interesting um, things that tie into this. Um, in Nordic mythology, you have Odin. And Odin, uh, who is uh, more than anything the kind of role model for the, uh, the left-hand past initiate, you know, he's a. Sure, he's like the the king of um, Valhalla, at least at the end of the Viking Age. But he wasn't that before, you know. He became that. Really, Odin started off as this kind of. Uh, it was very dark, grim sorcerer god and uh very similar to Vainamoinen from uh from the Finnish mythology um who was also one of the first created and was like this wandering like sorcerer you know um uh, also uh in um Welsh mythology there's Gwydion. Gwydion uh I believe is the right word. Yes, Gwydion. I don't I'm I'm not really sure about Welsh pronunciation. I'm sorry. But Gwydion is a um um again a sorcerer god who goes around in like a raven cloak and uh is very very similar to Odin in so many ways. And also a big inspiration for the the figure of Merlin within uh within the movie Excalibur. And that's an interesting thing, um, you know. Maybe in some way Merlin himself was the uh, it was like kind of a, a later day adaptation of the uh, figure of Odin, because um, if you really go back, Odin was uh, there. Was originally Tyr was the god of the kind of you know all father figure. Odin uh, ended up kind of gaining these things, interestingly. And, uh, so this idea of, of Odin as this bright, uh, kind of all-father figure is, uh, is, um, not exactly true. But what you could see is that the idea is that at some point Odin became this figure, which was both the Dryden of Darkness and the Lord of Light, as, uh, Stephen Flowers, and uh, Edward Thorsten, likes to say. Um... But as the Drton of darkness in his uh i think search for um the road to uh sovereignty uh you know he did all this uh stu- these things in the search for wisdom uh and had to sacrifice he hung himself on the tree of Yggdrasil for nine nights and nine days until uh he um fell down and 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 was accessed the runes which are the the little the literal forms of of all creation you know uh symbolized in and, and vibration and uh you know vibration and then and then you know the actual form of the rune but the actual meaning of the rune is the vibration which is one of the kind of way uh, aspects of the web of weird you know, that creates everything. So, you know, he uh, had to sacrifice himself to himself to attain uh, this power. And then later on, (coughs) he had to sacrifice his eye, which went into the well of Mimir. And after this happened, when he would sit on his high throne of Hlidskalf, he could see simultaneously in the web in the well which was diving down into Ganungagap, the void, the abyss. So literally his eye is the eye in the void. And he could see this simultaneously as the higher. So there you go, there's a there's a even there's a direct parallel with this idea of the eye of the dragon the void you have the eye of odin in the well leading down to ganangagap so i always thought that was interesting the um uh so these are kind of some of the ideas that uh tie into the um That I've kind of developed over time that tie into the uh, sigil, which um, somehow came to me like uh, many, many years ago, which uh, I decided to use for this podcast Um, Soul Knox Podcast. So the Black Sun. Yeah. And uh, a big part of that was, was this kind of idea, realization of this sigil, you know. A part of the Black Sun, and the idea that in a way it's my own sigil, you know, that I uh that was kind of channeled, and uh, I feel like this is a good one to use for here. Um, of course, uh, you know, like spiral off a lot on all those kind of subjects. I think it's uh very important to be rooted in the underworld as well as the higher, and that's a big part of the symbol as well, but I think it's most important of all to be balanced, and that's uh, one of the, I think, the uh, things that I think is most prevalent in this idea is is being balanced in the central axis, the central point, Um, where your consciousness is able to take in um, the totality of self. You know, I don't believe that we are just one thing. Um, I believe we're made up of a lot of things and, um, a lot of parts of our consciousness and our what makes us us. And, uh, much like Jung talks about with, uh, true individuation, I believe that, uh, a big part of all this is, is basically, um, Taking our, 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 our sense of self away from just the ego, the day-to-day basic ego that, that we develop kind of by chance. You have to destroy this, basically. And uh, center the self within the whole self, which is able to take into account all these, the soul complex, as they say in the Nordic and uh, Celtic and traditional type of um, viewpoints and uh i think having this kind of central axis point which is the eye of the dragon the void like the central kind of point in which you're uh, really connecting with a almost unhuman part of our consciousness this kind of uh kind of um something outside in a lot of ways i think when you're connecting to this force you're able to see much more clearly and uh, and it's definitely where magic centers from. I've always told that the void is the force through which magic operates. And uh, that's because it intersects with everything around us in so many ways. So thus, when you uh, put your blazing intent into the void, uh, then that travels to whatever it is trying to affect. Um so again this is the center point of magical consciousness is reaching this kind of trance state in which you awaken this eye of the dragon in the void i mean i think sometimes though i will say that i don't think that uh maybe it's it's not uh for everybody i don't know um i can't say if if each and every person has this capability or not there's definitely a lot of people who have no idea what i'm talking about when i describe all this stuff uh And so I kind of feel like some people will get it and understand. Um, And definitely, I mean, I'm probably not explaining everything the best possible, but this is more just an introduction to these ideas that are very important ones for me. And, um, you know, I recommend in particular reading Michael Kelly's books, Apophis and Aegis Helmer. And uh, and then also like Draconian Consciousness and, and uh, a lot of his other books. Uh, those will give you more in-depth into this idea of um, the magic of the void, the eye of the dragon, all these types of ideas are explicated very in-depth in his books. Um, but I'm also giving a little bit of my own interpretation and understanding of these things as well right now. I definitely... Uh, know, people are interested, you know, I hope so, um, the, um, I'll probably try to, uh, do, you know, I'll be doing more of these, and I'm sure it'll get better as time goes on, um, uh, about different subjects, uh, different ideas, Um uh, kind of spiral off. Uh, I feel like with these types of ones, it's best to have kind of a particularly like to keep myself focused (laughs) it's good to have a uh kind of um concept or subject to to work off of and kind of develop um what what we're kind of going off of and then you know there's a lot of things that i'd like to talk about i'm also thinking about um doing maybe like some discussions of occult books that i like uh and particularly um I just ordered the uh, Black Mass book by Thomas Carlson, his new book, and maybe uh, I think I'm going to try to talk about that at some point. Uh, once I get it, whenever that it may be, and uh, if I read it, I want to talk about that. I'm probably going to do an episode about uh, Richard Gavin's book, The Infernal Mask, which is out on the ION. I definitely 100% uh, recommend that book and all of Richard Gavin's work um that book and Benighted Path. They're very inspirational books for me and um pushing uh kind of the development of my uh, magical philosophy and everything uh currently is a big big uh inspiration. Um uh, recently I picked up um uh, a book about called A Sacred Conspiracy, which is by uh it's just basically it's a book about George Vital and uh, the Lassafel, uh, his secret society that he had for a few years, right before the start of World War II. And uh, I'm really, really very fascinated by this. I've always been really fascinated by Lassafel, and I wanted to learn more. This book is probably the best one. It's both a history book, writing about the whole thing, and also <clears throat> reproduces most of the major um, kind of, papers that uh i mean it has stuff that's been see that was secret for a very long time because it was a secret society and uh um basically before it i mean some people kind of knew about it and uh, batal had kind of written some things relevant to it uh that were in public view but a lot of the teachings of abastafel um, of were very much secret until this book was released so uh, it's really interesting. And um, one of the ideas that's contained that's central to the work of Asafel is the idea of joy in the face of death. And uh, I think that is a very powerful concept, to have joy in the face of death. It means to live your life so that even with the knowledge of a certain death, you can have joy and live in this intense way and uh i think this is definitely very much a left-hand path type of idea um we're you know very connected to death in this way it's not this kind of um destroy this way that you see where uh, christians are like morbidly obsessed with death in a way that like like uh i think afraid of it because they're afraid they're gonna go to hell or some shit you know uh, it's like uh, for for our for us, it's a, a celebration of death. It's death is uh, the, one of the things that that gives uh, I think uh, impetus to life. You know, knowing that we die, we have more reason to live to the fullest. When you live completely divorced from death, then I think yes, when you get people who just fucking waste all their time doing nothing. With their life and not living in any way, just uh, you know, or you know, when they've been told that if they live too hard, they're gonna go to hell. You know, it keeps them in line. So, yeah, definitely interested to, to dig deeper into this book and I'll learn more. And I think it's gonna be very, very um, inspiring for me. Uh, I also really like that George Vital was anti-communist anti-nazi like uh, fascist like kind of even to a certain degree like anti-capitalist he had uh, a whole different concept of uh, of everything that i think is very very interesting and i think uh it's something that people need to, to kind of rediscover in this day and stay in age because there's too many fucking idiots who think that the only things there are is capitalism or communism you know that's bullshit so um uh, you know Definitely uh, recommend checking out that book. And I also just recently purchased The Gollum by Gustav Mjernik. And uh, this looks very interesting. Once I finish reading, um, right now I'm reading uh, Adam Neville's The Red Inning. For uh, I think me and Mike Hill are going to be doing an episode about that in the future. But um, uh, once I finish that, I think I'm going to read The Gollum and talk about it. Uh, particularly because I was just doing a search on um, on uh, Spotify. And <laughs> as far as I can tell, no one's ever done a episode about The Gollum, the book itself. Like a podcast episode, which I think is crazy. I mean, it's a pretty important piece of uh, kind of weird slash fantastic, uh, you know, literature from well before its time, like in the early 1900s. So definitely going to read that and if I if I really like it we're gonna be talking about that in the future as well. And of course, uh Mayrink was interesting because his work is very, very much occult. Has a lot of occult ideas within it. Um in uh the Introduction to Magic by Julius Savola and the Ur group. Um they even have um a whole chapter that was in one of the Ur uh, journals, which was uh, selections out of uh the golem and the green face by mary Inc. so you know i think that's pretty cool i really liked the uh the excerpts because i recently was reading those in the uh, introduction to magic volume one and uh that kind of inspired me to to finally pick up the golem which i've been meaning to pick up for a while anyways so anyways i think i'm going to close out this show um I'd like to thank anybody who's listened this far and, uh, you know, uh, hope you got something out of, out of, uh, this whole, um, this whole, uh, what I was describing, talking about with the, uh, with the sigil. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to be doing more of these as time goes on about different occult subjects and everything. So, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Hail Satan.